Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. It is delicious. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones because this show is virtually all we're talking is fishing today. And Mr. Nate Zielinski, it is time to be on the water. Now, the fly fishermen may have to adapt as runoff comes up, but they can do some things with that. Or maybe they should fish the lakes right now. But if you're a lake fisherman and you're looking for numbers of fish, we are approaching when you need to be out there, aren't we? I mean, absolutely, Terry. There, there is hot bites literally across the state for everything. And, you know, talking about that, there's no doubt the, the rivers are definitely getting blown out. You're getting dirty water. You're getting high water. Um, but the still water bite, you know, again, we, we preach this every year. But, I mean, the opportunities that exist in a still water situation, say, like at, at Spinning Mountain Reservoir, you know, where we have some of the best midge hatches we've ever seen, you know, in years happening right now. Uh, you know, a lot of moisture. These bug hatches are phenomenal. And the still water bite from a boat or from shore are, are, are just tremendous right now. I mean, absolutely tremendous. No, you're absolutely right. And you can fish the rivers, fish the banks with big streamers, and just don't go in the rivers this time of the year as they get the flow gets higher. But, you know, what a great time to take a break from the rivers and, and go out and just experience stillwater fishermen. I think a lot of fly fishermen are hesitant because they, they, they avoid it like the plague. It's crazy. But you, you get one good experience, and it, uh, it'll open your eyes to a lot of different opportunities. Well, you know what I think happens, and I want to get on some of the other things. I don't want to stay on this too long. But fly fishermen are used to using the water to help them locate the fish because of the seams and the current breaks, and then using the current to actually make their presentation. Stillwater they're they're really a lot of fly fishermen haven't studied the techniques and they need just need to go fishing with some spin fishermen learn how to find the fish and then find out that there's by just making some movement and presentation and visualizing you can catch those on a fly rod a lot of them are really good at it, but a lot of them are hesitant but go ahead let's take us where you want it yep. to go no, absolutely. You know, we, we got a couple things here. I'm actually going to spin it on hunting real quick because I forget every week. I got to do a quick announcement that uh, I'm really excited about this. Bowtech is actually giving me a spot. So Bowtech Archery uh, is giving me a spot on their social media, uh, basically live feed. So every Monday night at seven or excuse me, seven p.m. Um, on the West Coast, ten p.m. on the on, on the East Coast, eight p.m. right here in the Mountain Zone. Uh, I'll be going live from the Bowtech Facebook page. We'll also be on Tightline Outdoors and Diamond. Uh, but if anybody has any hunting questions, scouting, literally every Monday we're going to do a live feed, take live questions, uh, and start that. And that whole process is going to start this coming Monday. So at 8 p.m., you just go to Facebook, go to Diamond or Botex Facebook page, uh, and we'll have this uh, this live feed for at least a half hour. Sometimes it's going to go on for about an hour. Uh, we're going to be talking about scouting and hunting tips and shooting. Uh, but more importantly, we're going to answer live questions. And if you have any que- you know question regarding hunting, uh, we're going to be doing this this live feed there. So we're real excited about that. I uh, also have a, give a quick announcement to uh, to make sure voting closes. We talked last week to Randy Clark, who's uh, you know competing in the Extreme Hunters competition. All that voting closes this coming Wednesday. So I uh, encourage everybody to check that out. Again, we'll share it on our Facebook page later, but vote for Randy Clark. Well, and um, and want, now we're going to get back into fishing. And if you want more information on Randy Clark and want to listen to the interview Nate did with her last week, if you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, my Denver Post article was about women in the outdoors, and Randy is featured in that. And there are links to Nate's interview with Randy on that. So if you go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and click on my Denver Post article, you'll see all that information. Okay, Nate, Absolutely. let's get... 
Yeah, you know, so Jay, I, we have a, we, a lot of things in fishing. You know, obviously it's the time of year right now where we're catching a lot of fish. Um, and the things that we want to talk about is the details. And I want to talk about this for two reasons. One, I, I had a lot of bites earlier this week that we had a lot of fronts coming through and we were doing a lot of trophy fishing. You know, a mutual friend of ours, Doug Stangy, came out we're doing some big trophy lake trout fishing. Um, had a phenomenal show. That show will probably be airing this fall, if not early spring. Um, but we're talking about details of, of maybe catching bigger fish or maybe catching a few more fish at the end of the season and while we talk about those details i want to talk to anglers about you know right now is probably one of the best times of year to go catch a lot of fish not necessarily trophy fish but a lot of fish but everybody gets very comfortable right now in their their routines of what's catching fish and right now is the time to venture out and try some new things and work on all those fine details to build your confidence to become a better angler um and so those kind of the, the two things we're morphing together so we're talking about the fine details and you know things that we're talking about as far as fine details, the number one thing I want to talk about is is line. Now, Terry, you have, I mean, literally experts that come on your show, talk about, you know, line. I mean, you have people straight from Berkeley, you know, making ourselves line. But nowadays, as an angler, there are so many options for line. I mean, it used to be, you know, back in the day, it was like you had mono and you had two colors. And now, you know, there is so many different styles and, and everything, you know, material of line. And it all has a time and place. And sometimes, it doesn't matter, and a lot of times it does. And like earlier this week, we had a situation of lake trout fishing in clear water, um, and we were actually running a really heavy nano fill in white color, and the fish were really shy of that white. You know, gin clear water, these big lake trout, uh, and it got to a situation of having to run like a 20 to 25-foot leader um, to get those fish to take the bait. And switching from a clear leader material to a tinted green um, leader material made literally night and day difference. And I think that the average angler goes out, let's say you don't have success or you have, uh, you know, minimal success. Everybody blames the spot or the, the condition, you know, the weather changed up or their lure's not working. But very few people even think about that line diameter or line color. Um, and at the end of the day, a lot of those small little details can make a huge difference. I mean, we see it in the spring walleye fishing. This is probably the biggest thing I preach to people is, you know, from tying a bait directly, you know, from line straight to the bait with a slow action or then putting a, maybe say a split ring on it to add a little more action and then using a snap and you have, you know, narrow snaps as well as, you know, a big wide snap. Um, there's a lot of little details that go a long way. And line was the biggest thing that we wanted to talk about is, you know, color and, and length and materials that deliver different action and different results. You know, and you fishing with Doug, you know, and Doug Stangy and I used to go back and forth all the time for 30 some years about, you know, I was. Uh, we all know you have to locate the fish, but I was always more of an advocate of locating the fish, and then I could make them bite. And Doug was always about refining the presentation. And as our waters have become more pressured, Doug has started to outfish me more, which kind of ticked me off, to tell you the <laughs> truth. But you're absolutely right. It opened my eyes that I have to refine those presentations. And, you know, the line is a great example. You know, the white line or a bright line it's so much easier for an angler to fish with because you can see the line movement. But, boy, sometimes you've got to think about what's happening at the other end. I mean, that's just it. You know, I mean, and you know, we're talking fish in lake trout waters where you can see, you know, 10, 15 feet which is just ridiculously clear. And you have a fish like that that, that puts, you know, majority of their, their food intake into a visual presence. You know, I mean, obviously they're very good at smell. They like that. But, I mean, these fish literally hunt with their eyes. They're, they're very visual fish in clear water. And anytime you get that clear water, you, you might have a lake trout that might track the bait for 
a couple hundred feet, you know, in a casting or trolling situation. So they look at everything. And if they happen to come in from the side or come from underneath, and if they see that line, it just puts them on guard, you know, and sometimes they'll still take the bait or sometimes they won't. But the second a fish is on guard, you, your odds of, of that success go downhill. You don't ever want the fish to think about anything where as an angler, we are all about the impulse purchase. I mean, you want to, you want that split second decision to just make them take it. And sometimes, you know, too heavy a line, or like we're talking about colored line can make that slight difference. And even talking line color, let's say monofilament, you know, I, I'm probably the, the last guy who, who is just absolutely still loves his mono. I love mono as much as I love anything. And it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a dying thing. You know, obviously the trollers are using it, but so many anglers are going to so many super lines and, and fluorocarbons and casting situations. And I still love the mono, but even on the, the basis of mono, you have say clear and green and literally day to day with conditions, cloud cover, sun, the angle of the sun, that line literally changes color and changes effect as the minutes go by in a day and some days that can make a big difference at the end of the day for sure well you know and a couple of things you mentioned too about a leader um the the rods i leave in my boat because the cover of the boat it can get pretty hot and i have about a dozen rods that are in my boat all the time then others i take in and out most of those have super line so i make the adjustments by adding mono to that and you can vary the leader and you know in today's world the super lines don't degrade like monos did from heat and, and they get frayed a little bit you can cut them off but it's so inexpensive to have a spool of mono and a spool of fluorocarbon in a couple different weights. They're going to last you seasons if you take care of the line and make those leader changes. And, and, and that's the best thing to do is, I mean, literally take a cast or, or do a, you know, a little session of fishing, casting, jigging, whatever you're doing. And before changing lures, just try to change that up, change diameter, change color, change the length of that leader, um, and give it a try. Because at the end of the day, by putting a little more emphasis on that, I, I promise you, it's going to up your catch rate. And the same thing at Spinny right now. Um, you know, we have clear water, the runoff's hitting it, but most lakes real clear. And um, we have a lot of fish in there. We've had a lot of pressure in there lately. And I was fly fishing last week. My, my general take on Spinny, you know, I'm usually using like a 3x tippet uh, running floro and this week uh, it switched up it went to a 4x tippet and they're actually using tinted line it didn't really matter if it was floro or mono uh, but they were using a green tint and it literally made the difference of a, a five fish day to a 50 fish day by literally switching to just a, a slightly lighter line and a slightly colored line uh, and literally just just the odds it, it blow your mind so the small things go a long ways and thinking in those details and more importantly just paying attention to the details will catch you more fish at the end of the day. We're going to run out of time, Nate, here, so why don't you give us a few places. If somebody, I know it's kind of raining off and on today, but a lot of people are going to get out the next two days. A lot of people have the next week off. Where would you go? Give us, you know, some options. The the Chatfield walleye bite is just through the roof right now. I mean, you know, 60, 80, 100 fish days. I tell you, it seems like a lot of anglers tend to go to the mountains um, during these long weekends. So a lot of times of all weekends of the year, now's a good time to actually fish the front range on a weekend because so many people are up in the mountains uh, enjoying the long weekend. So, you know, Chatfield right now, walleye, that is definitely a bite that I would strongly consider fishing. It's going very, very strong. The bass bite at Quincy is extremely strong. Uh, and the fly fishing Stillwater bite at Spinney is, is just through the roof. And then we're all uh, anticipating the uh, the next week's uh, opening of Antero Reservoir to uh, hand launch boats and shore fishing on June 5th. So I, uh, I can predict that as being a very strong bite here in the coming weeks. Now, I'm glad you brought that up. We hadn't mentioned that, but uh, the good news, if people haven't heard, is that Antero is being reopened. Won't be open for boating right now, but hand launch and shore. And uh, there's going to be some phenomenal fish in there. 
It's going to be some phenomenal fish. It's been stocked a lot longer than people think. They fix the dam a lot quicker than people think. Uh, it is definitely an established fishery right now. So uh, stay tuned to that. And again, make sure everybody on Monday afternoon or Monday evening at 8 p.m. goes to the uh, Bowtech Facebook page, the Diamond Archery Facebook page, or Tightline Outdoors. Uh, you can watch that live feed, get all your questions answered. And don't forget to vote for Randy Clark. And it's going to be ExtremeHuntress.com. All right, Nate, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon from the Honey Smoked Fish Company. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. It is time for our Ask the Expert question. And what we do in the Ask the Expert is you send your questions in. You send them in to Terry Wicks from Outdoors at Gmail. There's full instructions on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Go to the Facebook page, scroll down. Maybe I can get Karen over the weekend to pin that back at the top, but there is a post that you'll find in there about how to enter. But really, you just go, you send your question, any outdoor question, fishing, hunting, camping, outdoor clothing, outdoor cooking, whatever it is, you send it. If we choose to answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending it in. Today's question is is up. From Gabe and Fort Collins. He goes, I'm looking at purchasing my first bait casting reel. Can you give me some advice on what to look for and price ranges for a starter reel? Joining me from Sportsman's Warehouse to uh, help us answer that is Luke Davidson. Good morning, Luke. How's it going, Terry? Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. It sounds great. You know, you and I got to talk about this question a little bit during the week. And I think we agree the first thing you need to ask somebody is, do you really need and want a bait caster? Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree with that. I mean, it's uh, people will they'll see bait casters, they see the Bass Pros using them, and they think they're cool. But my experience is that bait casters have good advantages. There's things you can do with them you can't do as well with spinning gear. But if you're not going to be able to put the time in and practice and get proficient, you're probably better off with a, just a heavier spinning rod. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, it's it's going to be hard, you know, more difficult to throw anything under, say, a quarter ounce uh, with uh, a bait caster. So, yeah, I, I you know, there's there's a couple, you know, that I that I would personally choose. You know, there's a you know, Sportsman's Warehouse carries a Lose Laser MG that's around the $80 range, which sounds a lot, but, you know, when you have reels that are, you know, in the $500 range, it, you put it in comparison to that, it's, you know, it, they're fairly affordable when it comes to bait casters. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more more about that and some of the techniques, too. Um, first of all, let's talk about price range for reels. If you really do need a bait caster, and we'll go through some of the areas where they really can be better and i own several bait casters and i own several spinning rods but i think one of the biggest mistakes in a bait caster rod is to buy a very inexpensive bait casting reel that has bushings they may work fine your first few times out but once they start sticking you're never really going to get good with a bait caster are you yeah it, it makes it really difficult um you know when you have a when you have an inexpensive reel you know they don't use very good quality bearings and you know, the magnet control and the tension control um, are really fairly substandard compared to some of the higher-end ones. So, yeah, your your casting distance is not great. And to make the reel, you know, to keep the reel from backlashing, you know, you have to, you know, tighten things down, and that affects your distance. And, you know, it's just, yeah, the, the cheaper ones, they, they 
you know, they're unfortunately not not great. And I would say probably the starting price range is probably in that seventy-five to eighty dollars and up for your first one. But make sure if if I'm gonna just like on spinning reels, you know, certain rods I'll spend more, certain reels I'll spend more. I can see spending a little less on a beginning spinning reel because they'll function pretty well until they start to wear out, and then you replace them. But with baitcasters, you can really get yourself in a bind. So what do you think, that $75 and up price range? Yeah, I mean, you you can get one that will last you several years, and it will be a little bit harder to dial in compared to some of the more expensive ones. Um, but, yeah, that's 79 75 to $79 range. You you can run to some really good ones. Like the that Lose Laser MG is really good. Um, the Abu Garcia Pro Max is not bad for the money. Um, but, you know, when you get in the Silver Max and the Black Max from Abu Garcia, they're a little bit harder to dial in, and they won't give you nearly as good a performance as something that's, say, even $20 more expensive. Now, what features, if I'm buying my – if I'm – I've decided I really do want a bait casting rod, and we'll talk about some of the places where a bait casting rod does shine. What are some of the features you look for in a, a bait casting reel? If you were a beginner, you know, you and I might look for a specialty one that has a certain, uh, we might get two or three different gear ratios. We might get different line capacities. But what are some of the key things that you just have must-haves on that starting bait caster? Well, you, I'm, in my opinion, you want a magnet control that you can, you know, dial in. There's two, there's two types of controls. There's a magnet control and a, a centrifugal brake that's, that's on the side plate. And I think that magnet control is a little bit better for beginners um, because you can dial it in. You know, if you're casting it out and you're backlashing, then you can dial that brake back a couple turns towards, you know, it moves the magnet back and forth towards the spool and away from the spool. So max brake, the magnets can be closer to the spool, which basically on the second half of your cast, which is where it really counts, um, that it's going to be closer and it's going to, you know, you know, stop that spool from spinning and having the, having the magnets and being able to control those easily, I think is definitely beneficial. Now, you know, you mentioned the magnet control and almost all the baitcasters will also have a friction control on the other side. And my big advice when somebody's starting using a baitcaster is set the friction control fairly snug. And, and they, you, you mentioned too, to make sure the lure just drip, put, put whatever lure on you have and let it just kind of make sure it slowly drops and doesn't just overspin when you when you take your thumb off the reel. And then you can yep. make further adjustments with the magnetic. But when you're first starting out, it's okay to not be able to cast so far and have those a little tighter. It'll save you a lot of hassles, won't it? Yeah, it'll save you a lot of money on line, too. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of line, on a new bait caster, do you, you, what do you recommend to people? I, I mean, for their first bait caster, I try to sell them the most inexpensive line that's available um, and tell them to go out and, you know, practice. And if they can cast it, you know, say 20 times without, you know, having a real bad bird's nest, then I'd say that they're ready to take it to the lake. I mean, have, taking a little, little time to practice, I think, makes a huge difference. Because I've, I've made the mistake previously. My first bait caster, I thought I was you know, hot stuff, and I went to the lake with just a big caster because I wanted to use it, and I, you know, blew it up on the third cast, and then I had to go home, so. Yeah, we've all been there. Hey, um, real quick, before we run out of time, what are some of the techniques that you prefer to use a bait caster for? Um, well, bait cast, like I said, throwing stuff above a quarter ounce where, you know, a spinning rod is going to, you know, even a medium-heavy spinning rod, you know, it you want the, the, the rod to load correctly with the proper weight, and that's going to, you know, that information is transferred to the reel, and it 
makes it makes a pretty big difference. Um, you know, throwing heavier baits, crankbaits, spinnerbaits, you know, heavy jigs, Texas rig worms, you know, something that's just on the heavier side. I think throwing with a bait caster, you're going to work a lot less hard to, uh, you know, bring the bring the lure in and catch the fish. And I think, yeah, just at heavier presentations, the bait caster makes a huge difference. Well, and if you're going to become a bass fisherman or some uh, the kind of fisherman that wants to like pitch and flip baits into tight cover and small spaces and and really have control, you can do that better with a bait caster. But it takes some a learning curve. I think my last uh, my last piece of advice, kind of sum up what we were talking about, is don't underspend on your first bait caster and make sure you really do need a bait caster. Real quick, I understand you're at an event today. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm at a, a U.S. Warriors event where we take uh, veterans out on uh, this little private spot called Donovan's Pond, um, and it's run by Curtis Welch, who I'm sure some of our listeners are are familiar with. Um, and we have we have a great turnout today. I think we got 17, 18 boats, and we take families and and uh, veterans. Uh, some are disabled. And, uh, yeah, we just take them out and do some bass fishing. It's been a great morning aside from the weather. We're getting a little breezy and a little rain in here now, but it's been a, been a pretty fun day so far. We have several caught, you know, in the four-pound range, three-and-a-half-pound range. So, well, well, kudos to you, Luke. And which store could people find? If they want to come talk to you personally about some of their gear, which, which sportsman's warehouse would they find you? Sure. I work at the uh, Sheridan location, which is – you know, uh, right next to Costco and Cons on Santa Fe in between uh, 285 and Oxford. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for being our expert. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, go back and catch some fish. I'm going to try my best. All right. That's uh, Luke Davidson from the Sportsman's Warehouse in Sheridan, and that was our Ask the Expert. You can, uh, um, Gabe from Fort Collins gets a $25 gift certificate from Sportsman's just for sending that question in. You can get a gift certificate from Sportsman's by sending your outdoor question to terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail.com. And then if we choose to answer your question on the air, you get a $25 gift certificate just for sending it in. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the great folks at Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer. See, Brian won't care if I listen to the Eagles for a while because he's a friend and he knows that I love their music. So we can listen to just a couple minutes uh, of the Eagles while Brian's on the line. It's another tequila sunrise. All right, we better get the show going. Tori Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Joining us on the line now, we've been talking fishing all day. We're going to go back to fly fishing. He's an accomplished and avid fly angler who travels and fishes extensively. He also is the former owner of uh, Elkhorn Rods and Fly Shop in Loveland, Brian Chavez. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. It was sunny when I got in. There's a little bit of rain, but I think it's uh, I think it's going to go away in another day or so, and it's going to be good. Although I'll be up in Minnesota on assignment, so I'll probably miss out on it. But the rivers are in a, they're changing rapidly as we speak. I was watching them as I was driving down today, and but I haven't been able to get out and really check some of the rivers up in your area. So I thought I'd get you on and we'd kind of talk about what is going on right now. Let's start okay. with. I mean, I think, you know what, I'd like to start with a real upbeat, positive story, and that's the Big Thompson. Yes, um, that's great news. Um, Great work, great news. They opened the road back up last week. 
uh, Highway 34 between Loveland and Estes Park. So uh, that was <clears throat> really a sigh of relief. Um, it's going to be great for the shop. Uh, fishing on the Big Thompson is as good as it's ever been, and there's some stream restoration going on in the lower part of the Big Thompson below the confluence there at Drake, which is where it really saw the most damage. But when you mentioned ever-changing conditions, boy, we're you know we're really seeing the runoff right now. However, um, <clears throat> the Big Thompson, the Upper Big Thompson, is a tailwater from Lake Estes, so it's a controlled flow and. It's really fishing good right now. Um, I noticed, I looked online this morning, I noticed they jumped the flows overnight from 120 to 180 uh, CFS. But 180 is still a, a really, really fishable level. Um, when they jump it suddenly like that, you know, it'll get off color for, for a half day or so. But I've heard people say that the fishing in the upper Big Thompson is as good, if not better, than it's ever been. Uh, which is really great news. And that's one you really do want to check the flows before you go because if they get too much runoff into Lake Estes, they may have to release water more than you think. And it's a good time, you know, this time of the year when the rivers start running. Now, that's still running manageable, but if I'm anywhere where there might be a substantial flow, I leave my waders at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I also looked this morning the... The Poudre River into Fort Collins at the mouth of the canyon right now is running 2,750 CFS, and that's just flat-out dangerous. You, you don't want to get in the water when it's running like that, and it's very off-color. Um, you know, there's still fish in there, you know, and there's still fish feeding, but it's going to be very difficult, and, uh, you know, it's it's more suitable for rafting right now than it is for fishing um, but you know it, it's a it's a natural watershed, so the the there's no controlling the runoff, and as much heavy moisture as we've had lately, it's it's raging right now. Well, and a couple of things with the pooter, and that's a great example because we're going to see this in a lot of Colorado's rivers that aren't tailwaters, and some of them that are, where these flows are going to come up, the water's going to get off color. There's two or three things when I approach these, Brian, and I want to get your expertise. One is, we talked earlier with Steve Schweitzer, and we talked that there's still fish, and you can fish along the bank with, like, big streamers, even when it's off-colored, and still have some pretty good success because the fish are still eating, as you mentioned earlier. Another thing is leave your waders at home, fish the shore, um, and then... You and I have talked, and that's another thing I want to get your opinion on. Why don't more fly fishermen turn to the still water this time of the year? Because it's one of the best times for fishing trout in lakes. Oh, absolutely. Um, before I mention that, um, some good patterns to, that you mentioned fishing along the shore that I've always had good luck with are patterns like brightly colored Pat's rubber legs and brightly colored bully boogers like white and orange and colors like that uh, fish right along the edge because that you know the fish are going to stay out of that really fast flow and and hang along the edges but um you're right i i think a lot of people uh get discouraged during the runoff and there's so many opportunities very nearby to go fish still water um i was over at delaney butte um oh about three weeks ago and it, it was just amazing it, i i didn't even blow up my float tube I was just fishing from the shore, and, and we were just catching nice, big, fat, healthy fish, um, both in north and south. We didn't try east, um, but I've been keeping my ear to the ground, and I've talked to some people that have that have uh, done really well this year so far at Twin Buttes. Um, it's slowed down a little bit, 
Um, <clears throat> but uh, the fish have moved out into the deeper water. They were just cruising the shores, and I guess guys were just, just tearing them up. Um, but Wheatland number three is supposedly doing really well right now. And Gillette and Mebor um, are, are really peaking right now. And all of those places are within probably two or two and a half hours from Denver. So there's some phenomenal opportunities for stillwater fishing this time of year. Well, I think fly fishermen get a little bit hesitant on stillwater because they like using the rivers to help them locate fish, the flows, and also to um, to help make the presentation. But once they, it doesn't take that much to get a little more proficient at stillwaters. We're going to run out of time here pretty quick, but I want to ask you one more thing. I think that you know, once the runoff starts in full force, after it runs for a couple of weeks, and we're going to have a long runoff this year, even when the water's high, uh, once that water clears up, it's very fishable. Oh, yeah. I mean, when the when the runoff is, is still coming up, the water's going to be off color. But, but almost instantly, once the runoff peaks and starts to ebb, the fishing and the water clears up right away and it, it just and, and that's when it really turns on and it, it doesn't matter if it's running for the thompson let's say it's running 180 right now if it's running 500 and starts coming down it'll clear up and the fish just put the feed bag on and it's it's really presents i think right after peak runoff and then fall fishing is probably the best time to hit those those types of waters even the pooter even when it's running you know, over a thousand CFS and it clears up. It's it's great, especially with streamers. Now, what kind of? I was just going to ask. Streamers are your main presentation in that type. You think? Oh, absolutely, and 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 also in the still water. You know, the guys that that don't really care for the still water compared to the moving water type fishing. Boy, you you get up on those on those lakes and start doing some streamer presentations, crawdad presentations, where you get down close to the bottom using like intermediate sink or, or sink tip lines, um, it, it opens up a whole new dimension to fly fishing. I'm a streamer nut, and, and going up on those lakes and, and figuring out the right kind of presentation, the right kind of color is really challenging. But once you get it figured out, it, you can really have success, as well as the guys that, that like to fish with coronamids. They, they use a kind of a coronamid leech pattern and fish it below an indicator and, and just that's the key to that is finding the right depth. But there's all kinds of, of techniques and opportunities in, in that stillwater type fishing that that's really fun to explore and challenging to try and figure out. Uh, Brian, we're out of time. I'm going to have to let you go, but we got to get you back on soon so we can talk some more fly fishing. Yeah, I just want to mention real quick too. Uh, the, the Dan and, and Jim and Dan McGann are the guys that that um, bought the shop at Elkhorn, and they're doing a fantastic job in the, in the transition. They haven't changed anything. They're, it's still a full-service fly shop. So if anybody's heading up this way and, and, and wants some good good advice, uh, you know, all my old staff is still there. They're, they're just as helpful as ever, and, and give those guys a visit. They're, they're really a, a good bunch of guys. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. And people stop. It's right, on, it's right in Loveland just before you head up, the, head up the canyon. You can find you. It's right on the right-hand side going out of town. Brian, thank you so much. Hi, Terry. Take care. You bet. Brian Chavay, former owner of Elkhorn. I'm going to go right back to the phones because I was looking in my refrigerator just before I left. I'm going out of town and check the date, and there was a, there's always a package of honey-smoked salmon. It's still good for a couple months. You know, Kevin, this Kevin, the owner of honey-smoked salmon, until you open it, you can keep it in the refrigerator a long time. Yes, you can because it's freshly 
cooked right here in town. Oh, right out of the oven. Yeah, I just love having it available, like you get weekends and, and things like this. When people stop by, it's so easy. But uh, there's just uh, so many things you can do with Honey Smoke. Oh, yeah, it's unlimited. It's bre- breakfast items, lunch items, appetizers. You know, it's good with good wine. It's even good wine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you know, an appetizer that's really, and you know that I drink more than my share of wine. My doctor will tell you too much. But um, one of the appetizers that's really caught on around the, uh, the wine people is taking these spicy jams on a cracker with a piece of cheese and they oh, get yeah. those flavors. Mm, but now instead great. of a piece of cheese, why not put some honey smoked salmon with that spicy jam? Oh, yeah. Get like a jalapeno jelly. Oh, my gosh. So you get like a cracker, maybe a little cream cheese or cheese. They put a little smoked salmon, a little jalapeno jam, and maybe put a raspberry on top. And, oh, oh, my gosh. It'll explode in your mouth. It's just the, it's such a fantastic food, Kevin. And you guys are located right here in Colorado. I remember when you and I met, it must be a decade ago. I can't even remember how long ago it was. And you said, I said, what made you do a salmon company in Colorado? And you said, I thought the river ended here. They'd be coming here. You were joking, of course. But your salmon is flowing in. It's never frozen, right? It's fresh out of the oven, and it's fresh. It's never frozen. You know, salmon go up rivers. <clears throat> we smoke it, and then we send it down river. <laughs> there you go. That's and, old thing. Yeah, I know. But you're a Colorado company, and folks, the one thing yeah, I can the one thing I can tell you, uh, these folks just make the most incredible. I always tell people they look at your package and it's a little more expensive than the other package. I said, well, look at the price per ounce because there's like twice as much in there. It's really half the price, and you have to put that much in there because it tastes so good. People will eat it all. <laughs> and it's a superfood. It gives you sustainable energy. It makes you feel good. And plus, you get the omega-3 health benefits. Where can they find Honey Smoked Salmon, Kevin? It's at you know, Costco, Sam's Club, King Super, Safeway, Sprouts, and Albertsons. All right. Fantastic. Kevin, we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we'll have another Thank recipe you, or trick for using the salmon. Okay. Thank you very much. And you all have a great weekend. Thanks, Kevin. Great stuff. I just love it. Always in my refrigerator. Kevin from uh, Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. Just tremendous, tremendous stuff. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by the Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. I just can't tell you enough about how good this stuff is. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, um, and by the way, not only joining us this week, but he's going to fill in for me next week while I'm on assignment in Minnesota. And Mr. Ronnie Castiglione, I don't want you to feel bad for me. I have to go to Minnesota. I, I owe it to my listeners to go research this stuff. Yeah, I understand, Terry. I, I imagine you'll be getting your line pulled up there somehow or some way, and you'll probably be enjoying some wine and having a good time. So, But I it's not about my own personal you, pleasure, Ronnie. It's about helping the people understand these places. I understand. Somebody's got to do the hard work, and it might as well be you. Hey, you want to talk to us about selecting the right jig head for the job. You know, and that's a great topic because a lot of people, they think you just grab a jig head, but there's differences. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. And we're definitely getting into that time of year now where that jig bite is either going really good in a lot of bodies of water or it's starting to get going or will be going here in the next few weeks. So 
it's that time of year where I get a lot of clients on the boat that are inexperienced with jigs to begin with. And I know you'll agree with me, you know, just the jig presentation in general might be the most versatile single presentation that you can go with as far as fishing because you can, you know, completely cover the water column with a jig. You can fish it real shallow in the water column. You can fish it all the way down on the bottom and everywhere in between. So, you know, learning to utilize a jig is a very important skill set for the average angler. And, yeah, there's definitely some things you want to consider when you're buying a jig, Terry. Um, a few of the things that I'm going to look at right off the bat, some of the easy ones, uh, the real obvious one is going to be the shape of the jig. Um, the shape of the jig head is definitely going to have an effect on where you should utilize the jig, how the jig is going to perform in the water and kind of the motion and the action you're going to get from the jig. So the standard kind of all-purpose jig head that most people start with, and, and it's really the jig head that I use the most, Terry, throughout the year, is just going to be a standard ball shaped jig head it's just going to have the round ball on the front um, you can put a variety of different soft plastics on the back of a jig head like that or even live bait on the back of the jig head like that um, it's going to be good for dragging it's going to be good for hopping and bouncing it's going to glide and kind of pendulum and spiral on the fall um, and it's going to be relatively good at coming over rocks and stuff like gravel when you're dragging it. It's going to get over all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be relatively good at coming through the weeds um, if you're in around some, you know, a little bit of grass or vegetation. So it's a good all-purpose jig head. But then there's definitely some times where you might want to go to some other shapes as far as the jig heads carry. Um, one of the other ones that you see out there a lot is going to be the football jig. Um, we see a lot of jig heads that have that sideways kind of football head to them. And where that jig head there is really going to shine is if I'm, I'm really dragging a presentation over, let's say, rock or gravel, Terry, um, that football jig head, as you utilize that jig and drag it across the bottom, that football head's going to rock from side to side, which is going to make that piece of soft plastic, whatever presentation you have on the back of it, kind of swing from side to side as it's dragging and crawling its way through the rocks. So, you know, utilizing those football heads sometimes will get you more bites just because of that action that gets imparted from that jig head, Terry. No, I think you're absolutely right, and little subtle changes in the jig head really can make a, a huge difference in the bites. We talked earlier in the program today about those subtle changes. Sometimes they get you more bites, and Ronnie, sure. I, agree, I agree with you 100% that a jig, if people, this is the time of the year to learn to fish jigs because the bite's going to be pretty good and get confidence mm -hmm. in it because once you get confidence, you're right, you can take it almost anywhere. What are a few other shapes or types? Yeah, and I know we're short on time, Terry. So real fast, a couple of the other shapes and types that you may want to consider. Uh, there's a lot of darter heads out there, and darter heads are really going to shine with minnow-type body presentations. Uh, the darter heads is kind of uh, a jig head that when you give it slack and allow it to fall, it's going to glide off the side and kind of pendulum sideways and sort of spiral around and have a lot of gliding action. So darter heads are real good if you're working little minnow head type bodies and you're looking for that gliding effect. Uh, darter heads also will come through weeds a little bit better than some of the other shapes because they're real narrow and pointy. Uh, the other one that you see a lot of people utilize is going to be the shaky head. Uh, shaky head jig head is kind of describes what it's supposed to do. It's, it's going to shake the bait. Uh, it tends to stand more vertical when it hits the bottom than a lot of the other jig heads. So it's going to stand straight up when it's paused on the bottom, and that allows something like a worm or something along those lines to kind of stand up in the air on the bottom of the water and sort of twitch around. So, you know, that's just a few. And the other things you want to look at real quick when you're deciding on the jig, one is going to be the hook that's going to be on the side of the jig. Uh, you want the right size hook for the presentation, soft plastic that you're utilizing. You don't want to go with too big of a 
hook, you'll utilize or you'll lose a lot of the action from the bait, and you don't want to go too small of the hook. You'll tend to uh, you know miss some fish in that scenario. Uh, the other thing, obviously, is going to be the weight of the jig. Uh, you know, the, the the weight of the jig is going to dramatically affect how how quickly that jig falls through the water column. It's also going to really affect uh, when you're working the jig how how good it stays on the bottom, especially when you get into windy days and things like that. You're going to end up going a little bit heavier on some jigs that'll keep you down in the water, keep you good contact with the bottom. Uh, the, you know, the other thing that people ask all the time, Terry, is color of jig heads. They want to know if we if we like to buy particularly painted ones, particular colors. I'll tell you this: if you look in my jig box, at least ninety percent of the jigs that are in there are just the standard lead gray jig heads. Um, I don't really tend to mess around too much with too many different colors. Uh, it tends to be that the standard gray one is the one I go with more often than not, Terry. Yeah, and I'm absolutely right. I do the same thing. I have a few colored ones at times, but most of the time, if I'm looking for color, I do that and what I tip it with. Ronnie, really, really great information. We do have to run, but people can listen to you for two full hours right in this chair next week. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, Terry. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Ronnie. Thanks for joining us today. Ronnie Castiglione, he'll be here uh, running the show next week while I'm on an assignment in Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to like us and follow us on Facebook. That's going to be a big key to participate participating in our contest and knowing what's going on. So join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour on 104.3 The Fan.